can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity, Lord, and find that there is none like you. Oh, there is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity, Lord, and find that there is none like you. can touch my heart like you do, and I could search for all eternity, Lord, and find that there is none like you. Oh, Jesus, be the Lord of all. Jesus be the Lord of all. Jesus be the Lord of all. The kingdoms of my heart. Jesus, I I surrender all, Jesus, I surrender all, the kingdoms of my heart, oh, Jesus, be the to 
just uh, change the key here and uh, we'll keep it the same speed but we'll change it up just a little bit let's sing that song in moments like these and see in moments like these I sing out a song I sing out a
For it is no secret what God can do, what He's done for others, He'll do for you. Oh, now with arms wide open, He will pardon you. It is no God can do. Oh, now it is no secret what God can do, what He's done for others. With his arms wide open, he'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. Amen. If you would just continue play that softly. We'll just go ahead and change the order of the service here and go to the Lord with our needs. If I could have Brother Jaron come and pray for these at this time. We just want to remember the McCafferty's uh, who are not with us this evening, and we also want to remember the Cockmans who are away traveling. We also just want to remember the Clayvilles who are away on vacation, so we just want to remember them and pray they'll have safe travels. Also, if you could just remember uh, my dad, Brother Keith, and Brother Brian, they are away working. And also, Sister Shirley Buchanan, my grandmother, is at home. She's not feeling well. I also have here, uh, if we could remember Brother Mike Pritchard. He's not with us this evening. And also, just continue to remember Brother Andy Irish's mother. Also, the Irish family is also away, not with us this evening. I have here that uh, the Reynolds' son, Brandon, uh, is struggling with some heart issues, so if we could just remember him. And also, uh, Brother Roger Gibbs is recovering. And I also have here that uh, Brother Peter and his family is not with us this evening. So if you have a need by the lifting up your hands, unspoken need this time, and uh, we'll have Brother Jaron come. Amen. Let us bow our heads take these needs before the Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just come before you this evening with gladness in our hearts to be here, Lord, to just worship you, Lord, and lift your name in praise. Father, we give you the honor and glory, Lord, that you deserve, Father. And Lord, we just pray that you would incline your ear to us now as we call out to you, Lord, we lift up our special needs before you. Lord, many folks that are traveling today, Lord, that are away, maybe on vacation. Lord, the roads and traveling these days are very dangerous, Lord, and we pray that your angels would just go with these folks that are traveling to give them 
for the traveling mercies, Lord, to keep them safe through their destinations, Lord. Father, we pray that you bring them back safely to our assembly, Lord. Lord, that they could fellowship with us once again, Lord. We pray, pray for those that are sick, Lord, and those that may be afflicted at this time, Lord. Lord, we pray that your grace and mercy would go to them, Lord. Father, we just commit this service to you, Lord. Pray that you would just lay upon the pastor's or the speaker's heart, Lord, whoever, Lord, may be reaching out to you, Lord, even in my own heart. Father, I pray that you would just speak to us, Lord. Lord, we know there's something in the word for us today, Father. I pray that we would just enter in with open minds, Lord, and I pray that we would receive, Lord, what you have in store for us. Bless the remainder of this service and the musicians and the singing, Lord. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jaron. You may have your seats. And we'll put it in F. Let's sing that song, I'm a Child of the King. We don't have any specials this evening, so we'll just, uh, just sing a few songs. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I am a child of the King and His royal blood now flows in my veins and I who was wretched and poor now can see praise God praise God I'm a child of the King and oh yes child of the King and His royal blood now flows through my veins and I who was wretched and found now can sing praise God oh I'm a child of the King. One more time. Oh, yes, oh, yes. I'm a child of the King and His royal blood now flows through my veins and I wretched and poor now can see praise God oh praise God and I'm a child of the King he's never failed me yet never failed me yet Jesus Christ has never failed me yet. And everywhere I go, I want the world to know that Jesus Christ has never failed me yet. He's never failed me yet, never failed me yet. Jesus Christ has never failed me yet. 
be yeah. And everywhere I go I want the world to know Jesus Christ has never failed me yeah. He's never failed me yet Never failed me yet Oh Jesus Christ has never failed me yet And everywhere I go, I want the world to know that Jesus Christ has never failed me yet. Oh, He's never failed me yet, never failed me yet. Oh, Jesus Christ has never failed me yet. And everywhere I go, I want the world to know Jesus Christ has never failed me yet. So fill my way every day with love as I walk with the heavenly dove. And let me go all the while with a song and a smile. Fill my way every day with love. Lord, in the way Thou hast gone, leading straight to that land above, giving cheer everywhere to the sad and the lonely. Fill my way every day with love. So fill my way every day with love as I walk with. Savior and guide, and we never in darkness grow. Keep my path free from and my soul satisfied. So fill my way every day with love. Oh, fill my way every day with love as I walk with the heavenly dove. Let me go all the while with a song and a smile. Fill my way every day with love. Now soon the race will be o'er and I'll travel no more. But abide in my home above. Let me sing, blessed King, all the way to the shore. So fill
switch it to D. Let's sing that song, We Exalt Thee. If you would just stand, and we'll have the ushers come at this time as well. Brother Jeff, if you would. seated this evening just for a moment if the musicians would just hang on a second here I'd like to sing again but I wanted to give you a couple of uh, prayer requests that uh, require a little explanation so just wanted to take a minute to do that good to have the Stevenses back good to have the Jacksons back Jeff good to have you I told him he looks great he looks like his old chipper self 
and uh, just delighted to have you here and thankful that the, he's got such a good report. Um, the doctor called him today and said that the whole uh, growth there was not uh, cancerous, and, and so uh, we're thankful for that. And uh, just trust now that this sets him back uh, in a good place. And so, Jeff, we've been praying with you, and we'll continue to do that. Um, Sister Christie, it's good to have her back uh, out of hospital. Good to have her here today. And uh, for each and every one of you, may the Lord bless you richly. Uh, Noah Cockman uh, is out in Nebraska, and uh, he had a shoulder injury back in January when the kids were skiing, apparently. And uh, he's had problems with it since, and he's going to be facing surgery uh, around the 9th of August. So we want to remember him as well. Um, Sister Mary Smith has had problems with her neck, and in order to relieve that pain that she has, because when you have pain in your neck or your spine, it affects all the rest of your body, for sure. There's no pain like pain that's related to central nervous system. And uh, she's uh, received some shots and things. Of course, there's a diminishing effect and diminishing amount of relief after a while with shots. Uh, but Brother Smith wrote me today and asked if we could just remember her, especially tonight in prayer. Brother Joe Drum is not here tonight. He's actually doing a sleep study, uh, but he has been diagnosed with asbestosis. And uh, asbestosis uh, comes when somebody handles asbestos, and he did so when he was in the Navy years and years ago. And uh, the way asbestos is made is that it resists deterioration. It lingers, and when it lingers and somebody breathes it in, it scars the lungs, and over time, uh, that can become a problem. So he's got some scarring that's taken place there. There's no, there's no remedy for asbestosis. They do give treatments, but there's no uh, remedy for it. And uh, so we're just asking that the Lord will, uh, I told Sister Frieda and Brother Joe that we will join together in prayer that the Lord who made his lungs can bring healing to them. And uh, we're just going to trust that the Lord will undertake for our brother Joe. But they have not been here for a little while. And over the season when we've had the virus, they've been very careful about uh, just trying to avoid crowds. And so that's been part of the strategy that they've had under their doctor's advice. And so um, I told them, though, that we would certainly be praying with them and just asking that the Lord would undertake for them. Asbestos is now much more regulated, but uh, when he was in the Navy and then when he was working at Duke Energy in the early days, he had uh, a fairly regular amount of exposure, and that's what it does to the lungs. So uh, we want to uh, just keep that in mind, and that's a good, uh, good thing to put down on your prayer list. The other person that I want you to put down on your prayer list is Sister Karen Pruitt. Uh, she has been um, minimally responsive since Sunday, and uh, I stay in regular contact with Brother Tim and uh, the family members there. So uh, she is 62 years old, and um, this is just a, a kind of a real puzzle for the doctors there. And we just uh, know essentially where it doesn't come from. And if it doesn't come from God, we have a right to fight and pray on behalf of her healing, and uh, which has already been paid for. So uh, I told Brother Tim that we would uh, mention that again, and we'd join together in prayer. Offered, you know, offered him to do whatever I could. I said, "I'll, 
you know, I'll, I'll send a preacher down to help you with services. I'll come down myself and take services if you want just to help you. And, but he's got good help in the church. He's got, you know, some brothers who are helping out, stepping in. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's a nice thing to have because he's spending a lot of time at the hospital there. And, uh, you know, it's a major, uh, it's a, certainly a major thing to go through. So if you don't mind, let's stand to our feet tonight and uh, let's sing uh, that chorus again, Matt, if you don't mind, you were just playing there, We Exalt Thee. And uh, let's just hold these requests on your heart tonight. And if you don't mind, any other requests that you have upon your heart, even if it's not mentioned, it, it shows up before the throne of God. He knows what's on your heart. He knows what you're going through. And he cares about everything that happens. How many believe that God answers prayer? It's a great thing if you really believe that, really know that, really convinced of that, that God answers prayer. That's a great thing. And if you believe that and know that, then you should be right in the front of the line praying and, and praying loudly that uh, God will move on behalf of these needs that are here tonight. Sing it again with me. We exalt thee, yes, Lord, and we and loving Father, we approach you this evening, Lord, with fear and trepidation, Lord, as we just come humbly into your presence, asking forgiveness, Lord, of anything, in any way that would grieve the Holy Spirit. We invite you, Lord Jesus, just to be attentive to these needs that are mentioned here, Lord. And Mitchell mentioned a bunch of these, Lord, and other ones that I've explained to the assembly. Lord, even before we put them in words and wrote them on paper, Lord, you knew all about them and you you know, Lord, the heart's cry of your people. And now today, in the name of Jesus Christ, we bring these needs before you in faith because we believe you to be a prayer-answering God. You don't always answer, Lord, the way we think or the way we expect, but, Lord, you're a prayer-answering God. And your prophet taught us many, many times, Lord, that prayer changes things. And so we come in faith tonight before your throne. We believe, Lord, that you hear us. We don't need to summon you up. We don't need to call you down. But, Lord, you're nigh even as close as the breath we breathe. And in your presence, Lord, I just know that good things always happen. So come, I pray, on the scene, Lord, and minister mightily, personally, Lord, to each one. Father, may you just have your way now among us, we pray. In the name of Jesus and for your glory, we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Let's take your Bibles, if you will. Let's go to Hebrews, the 13th chapter. and Let's take a little reading here tonight. Hebrews, chapter 13. And a verse here that we've read 
verse 4, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he had said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what men shall do unto me. May the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated. So our... We have a lot of folks that stream and are watching the service tonight and folks from abroad. So I want to remind folks again about the uh, men's meeting, which the registration is open. And then also, as well, our youth event that we're having on Sunday. Now, this is, uh, I mentioned this in an email or a communication today to the, our young people. This is not a youth, a church service. This is like what we did before uh, on Saturday but we're just moving it to Sunday afternoon. So 3.30, we want to bring a, an outfit to change into to uh, uh, be casual. Uh, that'll be fine. So it, it'll start around 3.30. We'll go till around 6 or so, and we'll be providing food with your help uh, for the event. So if you're not sure about the details, make sure you let me know. But we'll start about 3.30, and uh, Brother Rap Crook from Ohio is going to be down uh, to visit with us. Uh, Brother Rap is... Um, uh, you'll, uh, some of you will recognize him when he uh, comes down. He's been a friend of ours for a very long time. He's uh, fluent in Russian, and so he traveled with me in, in the Russian-speaking countries for years when we were doing missionary work over there. He's also the principal of uh, Bible Believer School up in Lima, Ohio, and uh, newly married, and uh, we're just uh, glad to have him be able to come down in the summer break and uh, be with us here. So that will be on Sunday afternoon at 3.30, and he'll be ministering here on uh, Sunday morning as well. Now, um, let's jump in and deal with, uh, deal with this subject again on uh, shalom in the home. And, and as I have been saying and have, we've been talking about, that I think everyone would agree that having, uh, having peace in the home is a good thing. Having a little more peace in the home is even a better thing. And uh, it's, it's uh, sometimes, you know, like if you're newly married and, you know, you're just kind of starting out in life and starting out with children, you might think, oh, well, hey, uh, this series certainly is not for me. <laughs> been nice to be in church, but it's certainly not been for me. Just hang on. Uh, there will come uh, probably uh, times when uh, the enemy would like to be able to snatch away the peace that you have in your home and try to disrupt things that God has set in order. And if you're married in the will of God, let me tell you, Satan will certainly try to attack that. If you're married out of the will of God, Satan will certainly try to attack that. And uh, so therefore, it's important for us to adhere to the principles that God has given to us so that we can learn how to achieve peace in our home and in our heart, in our assembly, uh, in every way, in every area of life. We want to be able to uh, live a, a life that's, that's pleasing to God and always live within an atmosphere that the Holy Spirit's always welcome. That's what's important. Now, last Wednesday night when I talked about this subject, it was actually one of the most important uh, justifications I gave for marrying a, uh, marrying a believer. And uh, some of you caught it and texted me, and I appreciated the comments that were made. And uh, I, that feedback is always valuable to me. It's always good to me. And, uh, you know, in talking about how that, um, you know, when a, when a, when a person 
uh, has grace, they're able to minister grace to somebody else. When somebody knows mercy, they're able to extend mercy uh, to someone else. When somebody's been forgiven, they are able to extend forgiveness to somebody else. And uh, if you've married somebody just because they make you feel good and they make you happy, well, as soon as you get unhappy feelings, you're not going to want to be married anymore. If you're marrying just for happiness, if you're just marrying for feelings, or you're just married for looks, then everything cha- when things change, then you're going to be wanting to marry somebody else because you don't have the same feelings anymore. Marriage based on feelings doesn't last. Right? Marriage, marriage based on passion and emotion doesn't, doesn't last. Let me tell you, good passion does not create good bonds in relationships. Good bonds in relationships creates good passion. And so a lot of people get it backwards in the world because they find, feel like, if, well, if I get an exciting character, exciting person to marry, then you know what? Uh, we'll, we'll love each other for the rest of time and uh, all eternity. doesn't work that way. doesn't work that way. So the idea is to choose well and... Uh, uh, to be able to live together in a way that is in harmony with God's perfect will. Now, Brother Manna makes a statement here, and I think it's always a good one to start with. And then Noah and not in 1965, and this was a Wednesday night when he came, and he just had a little scripture about uh, out of the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 3, and the Laodicean uh, uh, angel's message to the church. And then in the beginning of the sermon, he starts out and says, Help us. Uh, this morning to take corrections from the Spirit and the Word that we might prepare ourselves as we move away from the doors this morning, determined in our heart to live a better life than we have in the past. And that's the goal of every Christian, isn't it? To be able to live a, a life that is better than what we used to live. We want to move higher all the time. We want to draw closer all the time, and that's for sure. Now, um, in terms of a definition of a family, this is, this is kind of nice. This is, this is a pretty definition. And uh, it would be nice if, this, you know, if, if uh, it was like this and we could live, live our lives this way. Very simply stated, a Christian family is a group of people who are related to each other through marriage, birth, or adoption and are committed first and foremost to the person and the work of Jesus Christ, faithfully witnessing to the love and power and forgiveness of God. It's a nice definition. Let me read it again. A Christian family is a group of people who are related to each other through marriage, birth, or adoption, and are committed first and foremost to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. They're committed first to Christ, not necessarily to each other, but they're committed first to Christ. Then they can become committed to one another. To the, and they're committed to the person and the work of Jesus Christ, faithfully witnessing to the love and the power and the forgiveness of God. Now, this is a, um, this is a uh, kind of a, a good place for us to start here. I remember uh, hearing a story one time by a fellow who was a, uh, he was a, a pastor, and he was talking about his, he had bought an old house, and uh, he lived in the house for a number of years. And finally, uh, one, uh, one season, he looked up in, the, in his bedroom on the second floor of the house, and there was a crack that appeared in the wall. And he had, uh, they were uh, the old-fashioned sheetrock walls, and so he called a guy who was a painter, and he, uh, he looked at it and, you know, sanded it and fi- filled it and sanded it and, you know, did some work on it, repainted it, and it looked just like new. And so he thought, hey, this is, this is great. And uh, a month and a half later or so, he starts to see the cracks again. They start to appear. 
And he calls the painter and he said, hey, got the same problem back again. What did you do wrong or what, what didn't we do? He comes back, he looks at it, he repairs it again and uh, makes it look just like new. Everything is just fine. And uh, so lo and behold, a couple of months later, the same crack started appearing in the same area. And uh, so he called up the painter and he said, hey, listen, I just called to tell you I'm not going to call you back. Because if you couldn't fix it two times, you're probably not going to fix it the third. He said, I'm going to find someone else. So he finds another, another guy who's a painter, and he came in and took a look at it, and he studied it and looked at it and walked around and made some measurements and that kind of thing. And then finally he said, I can't help you. And the pastor said, hey, what's the problem? Aren't you a painter? And he said, yeah. But he said, I, I, can, I can repaint, but he said, I can't help you with this situation. He said, why not? He said, because you don't have a paint problem. You don't have a wall problem. He said, you've got, a, uh, you got a, a, a foundation problem. He said, you have what's called a sliding foundation. And he said, that foundation is shifting a little bit. And he said, therefore, it's causing structural cracks in the upper part of the house. So he said, the problem is, is that the cracks in the, in the wall really are symptoms of another problem. And he said, you can keep fixing those. You can throw all the paint and all the plaster you want at that. But he said, it's not going to really deal with the problem. You're only going to deal with the symptoms. He said, you've got to get down and have some work done on your foundation. Now, you can have communication cracks. You can have financial cracks. You can have in-law cracks. You know, many in-law cracks. You can have uh, intimacy cracks. You can have lots of different problems that, uh, you know, you can fix. I mean, symptoms of, of things that are fixed. But there are times when you need to go right back down to the foundation. And the foundation has to be right. The foundation has to be solid in a marriage in order for it to last. And sometimes it's, it is a, a question of, you know, for instance, if it's a financial issue, uh, there are things that you may need to do to adjust in that area. Certainly that's so. I joke about in-laws only because there's lots of jokes about in-laws. But I've been really blessed to have wonderful in-laws, and I uh, have no complaints at all. Uh, but I know some people struggle with that, you know, for different reasons. But I, I certainly don't. I didn't mean to imply that. But I will tell you that there are, there are adjustments to be made in every marriage. But there are times when things become rocky that you need to stand back and look at this or sometimes even get some help to look at the problem and be able to see where, where the issue really is. And if it's a foundational thing, then you need to begin to work there first or these other things are not going to go away. If you fix one thing, it's going to become something else, and fix that, it's going to become something else. So in the beginning, uh, when we see how God uh, expressed things, and these were things that were in his mind, obviously these were things that he thought of, that he designed in the very beginning, uh, he wanted things to be a certain way. And so he created a man in his own image. And this is God looking in the mirror, making a man after his own image, and he created him male and female. This is what God wanted to have. So an image of himself uh, it, it, it refers to how that, uh, you know, God wanted to see himself expressed in this kingdom. He, was ma- he made a place. He made the Garden of Eden. He made a place, a physical place, and he wanted to see himself in there. He made Adam in his own image. And so, therefore, he, he wanted to populate this world with people like him. Right? Because that's what, he, that's what he made. He didn't make a man that looked like a unicorn, or he didn't make a man that looked like an elephant. He made a man that looked like him. And that's who he put in the garden. No other creation, no other creature gets to look like the creator but Adam because that's the kind of person God wanted to populate the kingdom that God was making. 
Right? That's always been God's intent. And so therefore, he created man in his own image to do that, and he wanted, he wanted the man to populate that place and to live in that place according to God's original design. And that's where God wanted his people to be, in the place that God established. When we hear the, the, the concept where Brother Branham talked about of uh, God's chosen place of worship, that's just not God identifying a church that he wants you to go to. That is a person that God wants you to unite with in God's choosing, right? That's, that's God's choice for where he wants you to worship and where he wants you to connect with him. And this is what he intended in the Garden of Eden here. Any program that interrupts you coming to God's chosen place of worship is something that God's going to resist. Anything that, that prevents or hinders or slows down God's people from coming back to God's chosen place of worship, God's going to get involved in that and God's going to put a stop to that. He's going to deal with the people that try to do that. You remember how that the Israelites are traveling through the wilderness coming back to the promised land and Balak decides to hire a prophet, Balaam, to curse the people and to stop them. And he couldn't do it, right? Because Balaam said it correctly. How can I curse what God has blessed? And they couldn't do it. So what they did was they got the pretty women of the local community to come and to, and to uh, distract the men and slow the camp down so that they began to take these women as wives there. And the idea was, hey, this is a great place. You know, this is a place that I could live here with all the pretty women that are here and all the uh, opportunities that are here for us. And so they, they, they immediately had this thought of settling down and stopping. And that was, that was an attempt by Satan to throw whatever he could in the path of the children of Israel to prevent them from getting to the place that God designed. And whenever that happens, God's going to jump in and speak to that. And let me tell you something, whether it's work or whether it's... Uh, uh, you know, your, your other occupations or sports or anything else, when there's anything that's there that's intended to prevent you from gathering together in God's chosen place of worship, God's going to deal with that. He's going to deal with that. And you're better off realizing that God wants his people in, his, in their place so that he can worship with them. That was a whole intent of the Garden of Eden. This is what we find in chapter 1. This is what God really wanted from his people to be able to have that fellowship. And when they were out of the Garden of Eden, God wanted them to come back into that place. And that's, that's symbolized by God's chosen place of worship. Are you following me? That's the first thing we find in this little section. And then the other thing is that God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So when Adam and Eve had children, and this is the nature of children, this is the nature of sons, that when they leave, when sons leave, they repopulate or they regenerate things in another part of the kingdom, spreading the original kingdom to further places. Right? Think about it now. When... Uh, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother. In other words, a man, a woman doesn't have to, woman doesn't, uh, that doesn't apply to a woman uh, in this case here. But a man has the baton passed to him because now a new generation is raising up and a man is going to establish a household in the name of that father. And if he, I mean in many families now, uh, you know, look around the room. Some of you have sons and daughters that are here and they're different states, different parts of the country, different countries even. Uh, people are spread out all over the place. In the, in the intent of God, 
the fruitfulness and multiplying was not just so that their 401k would grow, but rather that disciples of the kingdom would go into the world and spread God's kingdom in all parts of the world. So that everybody could see what, what a believer looked like, what a son of God looked like, and raising their families. And that was the idea that, that God wanted to do that. Let me tell you, any time that Satan resists that spread of God's kingdom on this earth, God's going to get involved. You remember, you remember in Goshen, when the children of Israel follow Jacob and they go down and they're in Goshen, they live there, right, for a, for a time, and they begin to multiply. What happens? Satan says, all right, hey, they're multiplying too fast. My goodness, if another army comes, they're looking at it very carnally. And they're saying, if an army comes along, they're going to side with that army and overthrow Egypt. And they're going to walk out of here and all the rest of it. And all, it, all they're doing is fulfilling what Genesis 1 talks about. They go to a place, they're fruitful. There's more of them now than there were before. And they, be, they become a threat to Satan because Satan doesn't want God's kingdom to expand. Satan does not want... Families to grow. Satan does not want good communities to grow. That's why we have all of the legislation and all of the different political things and the social things that are, are against God's growth, the growth of God's children in this world. It's anti-Christian. Would you agree? It's anti-Bible. It's anti-God's intent. And I will tell you something. God's going to be, get involved in that. And so God wanted the children of Israel to, those that were made in his image, to be fruitful and to multiply and eventually have dominion. Not to be taken over by the wrong thing. Not to be taken over by <clears throat> uh, something that is contrary to God's kingdom. God never wanted the children of Israel, to ha- or the children of, of the kingdom, children of Israel or, or us today, God never wants us to live in fear of a government or a power in the earth that overrides the word of God. That's never been his intent. He wanted the people to live in the light of his word, in the light of his presence. That's what God wanted in the very beginning, right? So therefore, as a result of that, Brother Branham says, he says, I trust, you go watch this, he's, and he's, he's in Chicago. Brother Branham really likes Chicago. It was a place that he liked to go and and uh, minister. And he said, I trust that God will let me come back to Chicago to unite with you grand bunch of Christian people for revival for months to come. And will you be praying to that end that we can get an auditorium that it won't last just two or three nights so we can set it for weeks? I've always wanted to come to Chicago. Great respect for men like Moody and Paul Rader and, and, and others uh, who uh, in the days before our ministry, Chicago really hasn't had a shaking since then. And it really needs a shaking. And it takes a supernatural to do that. But he says, if I come within myself, I'd miss it. It, it would, wouldn't be effective. If I came just under my own, uh, my own steam or my own decision, he said, that would be my way. But God's way is a different way. God does all things perfect. When things are done God's way, when things are done according to, to God's, God's uh, intent and God's intent for the kingdom, let me tell you, there are different fruits altogether than when we try to do it ourselves. And, and that's obvious. That's a very simple thing. But I'm going to apply that now as we move forward here. But I just want to say this. Brother Branham mentions this many, many times. He said, I wish we could set up a tent and stay here for two or three weeks and study the Word or study this particular subject. And I will tell you something. The older I get, uh, the, the, less, the less 
uh, desire I have to go and take one sermon and preach it in a, a thousand places. I'd rather stay in one place and preach a thousand sermons. Now, that may be good or indifferent news to you, but Brother Branham always wanted to do that because as you get into the Word and as you grow in the Word, uh, more and more unfolds and reveals itself. And that's the way it should be. Like, you know, and forgive me for taking a topic now that has 12, 11 or 12, 13 parts to it, but uh, you, you just kind of can't help it because it, 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 you know, one thing leads to another, leads to another, and leads to another. And uh, that's, that's a great thing to be able to do. We're limited by the, you know, the one-hour service, and, and, you know, then we've, we've got to move on. And God forbid you'd go 65 minutes. I mean, you wouldn't want to do that. But I, I, I honestly, I, w- I would love to take uh, like seven nights in a row and just to, to deal with that and, and uh, just to be able to study things thoroughly through. Brother Branham wanted to do that many, many places. He said, you pray that we'll one day be able to do that because uh, he says, if, if you set yourself in order and the word begins to unfold like that and the supernatural begins to happen, God can really shake a place. And, and he said, you know, that's God's kind of revival. That's a revival with the supernatural. That's really God's kind of revival. It's not just having a big crowd and a lot of music and a lot of shouting and so forth. That's all right to have that. But he defines, he kind of describes how he would really like to do it. And that is, first of all, to get into the Word in a way that you can really watch things unfold and really learn from it and watch it, watch the patterns in Scripture and watch how it winds its way from Genesis to Revelation. And that's a really, really neat thing to, to, to see. That's a really great thing to do. I would love to do that. I'd love to do that for six months and just uh, take my Bible and my books and go somewhere where they don't have internet reception and to be able to just go and to be able to, uh, you know, study and pray and just, you know, be in a cabin somewhere. I don't know if that sounds appealing to you, but that sounds really appealing to me. And, you know, it's funny. People here, will, you, you people in the congregation will say, well, that's a great idea, Brother Barry. You should do it, but we'll see you Sunday. And, I, you know, I understand that because sheep and shepherd are supposed to want to be with one another. And I understand that. And I, I get it. But the, to me, there's so much richness in the Word of God. You just like to be alone with it. And then to be able to just share it with the people that you want to share it with. You know, that's, that's, that's just, that's just, I'm just telling you what's on my heart. Because that's what Brother Branham desired to do. In a place that he loved, like Chicago, he wanted to be able to do that in that place there. And to really see God move and really see God uh, do something powerful. And he says that anything that man does, he said under their own steam, their own covenant, he said anything that man enters into with God, he always breaks it. So when you're watching God do something, like the opening of the seals, and you're watching God progress in the Word, you're watching those things unfold there, uh, then uh, it, it'll, it'll be done right. It'll really bring forth fruit. But the thing I wanted to make note for you here tonight is the part that's underlined, and that is this. God's way of doing things is a different way. And when God says something, it's going to come to pass. And even negative things that happen in the world are a result of things that God has said. So prophecies that God has given. So, for instance, let me show you something you're not expecting. I get, uh, I get uh, this. I'm somehow enrolled uh, with some Gallup uh, surveys and also Pew Research, and they're very reputable. And, and I, I got this one a little while ago, and I just held on to it here. Uh, this is a, a very scientific st- survey they did, which was really interesting, on global emotions. And this is not just, you know, do you feel happy today or do you feel sad? 
This was a, an integrated, comprehensive study that they did about how people feel at heart, long range, about things that are going on around them in the world. And they analyzed thousands and thousands of people's feelings and reactions about how things are in the world. And they said that 2020 uh, was the worst year on record since they've been keeping records of this. 2020 was actually the worst year. Now, we know it's probably related to the pandemic, of course, but they said there's been a decline over the years uh, towards this. And they said generally people are less happy, less content, less peaceful. Uh, it, and the, the findings they considered to be major findings. Now, I'm saying this for a reason, so hang on just a second here. The print is a little small, but I'll just read a little bit of it here for you. It says that although most people around the world still managed to smile and laugh a lot in, in 2020, fewer people did. Fewer people felt that way. In the span of a year, the percentage of people who said they experienced feelings of happiness dropped from uh, 75% to 70%, and then it went down a little bit f- uh, further in other areas. And it says that all countries were not uh, equally uh, affected this way, but they said the general trend around the world is people feel less happy, less content, less settled, and less you know, glad that they're alive. The Bible says in Luke chapter 21, men's hearts are failing them for fear. The word failing is the word they have a, an anguish. They have kind of, I wish I wasn't alive. That's, that's the phrase that Jesus is using here. These are words in red. They're failing for fear and for looking for those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And I'd like to say to you tonight, I believe this day, this scripture is being fulfilled. And scientifically, they're able to prove this now. That people, are not only are they unhappy where they are today, but they're looking ahead in the future and they realize there's nothing really very great to look forward to. If you're not converted, if you're not born again, you don't have a whole lot of great stuff to be looking forward to. And I will tell you biblically, the one thing that you're going to run into is the tribulation. And you ain't going to want to be there. But people are so scientific, you know, these days that we're able to actually find out how people are feeling in the world. This is what the graph looks like. So negative experiences are on the rise. And the feelings of joy, peace, and contentment are on the decline. Aren't you glad you know the Prince of Peace? So a believer now, we don't fit on this graph, right? I mean, we don't fit in the, in the trend of the graph. Uh, a believer has a different feeling about it. Yes, we live in the same world where all these negative things are going on, and we live in the same world that the world lives in where we have nuclear threats and political unrest and all the other things that go on, uh, you know, econ- economic issues and social issues and all the rest of it. I, you know, and I, I, guess I, I guess I'm not around enough in the world today, but, but, and I'm, I'm thankful for that because... Uh, the way that God has made me, I guess. But I was I went stopped today on my way down to church, and I stopped for a cup of coffee. And I uh, when I when I went to get it, and the guy hands me this fellow who was doing the coffee, and I hadn't noticed anything before, but he hands me the coffee, and he's got his nails all done. His nails are a different color, and they're all manicured and stuff. And I I felt like saying, "Don't touch the coffee. I'll reach for it. I'll just reach for it." Despite, let me tell you, if I was living in a world where all of that was going on and I didn't have hope and I didn't have, 
you know, if I didn't have a promise of a rapture and didn't have a, a, a place that we're going to, I'll tell you what, it it would it, get pretty unnerving. I, I, I would not want to blend with the world that we're living in, and I don't want to blend with the world that's coming. That's how I feel about it. it it's just grievous to me. And the world is trending that way, but the bride of Christ is not trending that way because we know the Prince of Peace. And so the the the, the report goes on and it just says that uh, it was the uh, 2020 was officially the most stressful year in recent history since they've been doing this kind of thing. Now, the reason I say that is because Brother Branham said that God's way is a perfect way. And as odd as God's way is very often, as, as odd as unusual as God's way is, uh, it's still the better way. Would you agree? And so if God has outlined certain things about marriage and family and, and uh, you know, discipline and all the other things, you know, raising your children correctly and all of those pieces of the puzzle that go into a normal Christian life, if they are established that they are God's way, then they're the better way. And we should learn those things. Those things are important to us. Those things are essential. I like this scripture because when John the Baptist came into the earth, the prophecy was stated over him, and thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, and thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation. This is, what, this is what was said over John the Baptist. To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. How many can say Amen. God actually sent them a prophet to guide them in the way of peace. And whenever God sends a prophet or God does something, it always guides God's people to a better place than where the world is or a better place than where we were before God got there. Are, are we together? So this is exactly the, the intent that God has, that he's leading his people. And anything that interrupts or interferes with God leading his people to the perfect will and to the perfect place and to God's chosen place of worship, anything that interferes with that, God's going to get involved and he's going to prevent that from happening. The way of peace is what God's concerned about. So if this is the, the goal for families then, uh, we want to know everything we possibly can in order to get there. Brother Branham said marriage is honorable, which is from our text, but it should be entered into prayerfully and reverentially. Genuine love for that woman will bind you together. He says you may get stoop-shouldered and bald-headed and wrinkled-faced, everything else, but she'll still love you like you did when you stood with wide shoulders and curly hair, if it's really God. For you're looking to the time when you've crossed the river yonder and you'll spring back to young men and women to live together and that's God's eternal promise. So the changes that take place, the deterioration that takes place in this life is only a temporal thing. And so we learn to look at temporal things with one eye open and the other one is kind of half closed because we don't take this life really, uh, this, this, this setting really seriously. It's a temporal thing. Uh, we're in it for the long haul, right? If you're a Christian and you're married, you're in it for the long haul. And therefore, we want to find the right person because we're in it for the long haul. So if marriage is honorable, then uh, the idea of, of marriage as a, as a permanent covenant union, that's what God created. That's what God created marriage for. It's a permanent covenant union. Now, as I mentioned to you before, and this is a review slide, that uh, today there's a cultural shift that's gone on where people do not 
perceive or define marriage the same way as people used to in years ago. And I've shown you this slide, so I'm going through it quickly here. That there were certain things that marriage provided, human relationships provided, and then there was a divine relationship that a person had, and and therefore they could live, in, in a sense, a balanced life. When you take God out of the picture, though, then this person better be pretty much a savior and a super person that you've married, really better be perfect, and certainly should not be critical. As a matter of fact, if you go to eHarmony.com, don't go. Don't go. It's not a, it's not a place for, for us to go. But somebody told me about the essence of the advertising that goes on there. Is to, is, 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 the intent is to find somebody who doesn't exist. A person who perfectly matches all your requirements, a person who meets all of your desires, and a person who does not want to change you at all, a person who is completely satisfied with how you are, and a person who, in a sense, supplies all the things that you want to have in life, like uh, laughter and joy and a hiking partner and somebody to go biking with and everything else but they're not going to criticize you and they're not going to try to change you at all and they're just going to be this perfect partner who's not going to demand anything from you look folks that person doesn't exist you're barking up the wrong tree but let me tell you eHarmony and places like that are some of the most visited websites on the internet for singles because People feel like I'm going to run into this perfect person there. It doesn't exist. You're better off in the will of God. You're better off letting the Holy Spirit help you find that person. And when you take God out of the picture, then this spouse or this, this partner has to become everything to you. And the moment they fail, and they're going to fail because there's no perfect people in the earth, the moment they fail, you're going to feel like, oh, wow, I made the wrong choice. And you're going to go make another choice. What, what people are amazed today is how fast marriages dissolve as opposed to how it happened in the past. You remember there was a stigma about divorce. There was a stigma and a reluctance even to tell people that you were getting a divorce back years ago. And it was kind of a, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, you, you, you distance yourself even from talking about that. In, in years past, I'm talking about and today, hey, it's a much more common thing. It's a much more acceptable thing. And, uh, you know, there's kind of no shame or regret or remorse or hesitation about it at all. That's the way it is today. Let me tell you, that's a new definition. That's not an old one. But I'm not just making this up. This is an article that was in uh, the New York Times, and this is a quote from that marriage. And it's called, A Happy Marriage is the Me Marriage. This was written, written interestingly, 11 years ago. After all, isn't marriage supposed to be about putting the relationship first? And that's what I was talking about in previous screens there, that the relationship is what's important. I'm going to submit myself to that person. I'm going to submit myself to the goals that we have or that God would want for us. And and she was describing that. And then she says, after all, isn't that what marriage is supposed to be about, putting the relationship first instead of my needs first? How many know this is true, that if you're going to put your needs continually in front in a marriage, you're going to have problems? You better hope you marry a Christian. She's asking the question, isn't that what the marriage relationship is supposed to be about? And she says, categorically, not anymore. For centuries, marriage is viewed as an economic, social institution, and the emotional and intellectual needs of the spouses were secondary to the survival of the marriage itself. 
So in other words, the marriage was considered sacred. We did everything we could to make it work. Divorce was not on the table. But in modern relationships, people are looking for a partnership and they want partners who make their lives more interesting. I simply want you to make me feel good. I want you to make me feel better. I want you to entertain me. I want you not to try to change me. I don't want to hear any criticism. I don't want to have any of that. That's the new kind of marriage. It's called a me marriage. And that is a cultural shift. And you know what that is? That's a shift away from God's intent. We just read what God's intent was, to multiply and replenish the earth, to be made in God's image, to do things God's way, to have children who would be raised in a godly way, who would go out in the world and establish households that also would reflect the values and the principles of the kingdom of God, right? And to have dominion, to be, uh, to, to be let me tell you, if, you, uh, if, if you're a, a person who's born again, you're, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, You've got a power that the world knows nothing about. And Satan can do whatever. He can tempt you and he can try you. He can do whatever he wants to. But you're the prevailing power in that community if that's where you live. Because you've got the Holy Ghost. And and look, let's say it this way. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're going to be overswept. You're going to be overcome by everything that, that goes on out there like everybody else. But somebody with the Holy Ghost has got the power to resist and to overcome. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got holding power that holds you to the standards of the Word of God, despite what everybody else around you is doing. And that's what God's intent was in marriage, is to go out into the world and multiply and replenish the earth, fill the earth with people that I made in my image and put in the Garden of Eden, right? And multiply, have dominion. Don't let the wrong thing take over, but we're going to let the right thing remain in power. Bonhoeffer said it this way, and this is what he wrote from a Nazi prison cell, eventually died for this conviction. He said, marriage is more than your love for each other. It has a higher dignity and power, for it is God's holy ordinance through which he wills to perpetuate the human race till the the end of time. This is marriage now. It's bigger than just your love for each other. In your love, you see only your two selves in the world. But in marriage, you're a link in the chain of the generations, which God causes to come and to pass away to his glory and calls into his kingdom. In your love, you see only the heaven of your happiness. But in marriage, you're placed at a post of responsibility towards the world and mankind. Your love is your own private possession, but marriage is more than something personal. It is a status. It's an office. Jesus, as as it is, just as it is the crown, not merely the will to rule that makes the king, so it is marriage and not merely your love for each other that joins you together in the sight of God and man. Let me read that last bit again. Just as it is the crown, and not merely the will to rule that makes the king, so it is marriage and not merely your love for each other that joins you together in the sight of God and man. It's not just because you have the crown, but rather it is, it is the, the marriage and the office that you hold and not merely your love for one another that joins you together. And that's the thing that will keep you together. Just food for thought.
Brother Bram said today our great problem is that what we believe uh, to be juvenile delinquency is parent delinquency or home delinquency. You don't hear that too often, home delinquency. A, home, uh, a delinquent home would be a place where God's principles are not applied. As for me and my house will serve the Lord. And if, and if God's principles are not applied there, then that would be a home delinquency, wouldn't it? Which is really an extension of parent delinquency. Our people got away from the things that they should have stayed with. That's why I think it's good to talk about the things we should stay with. The church got lukewarm or cold and the children got out into the world. And now Hollywood puts out lots of movies uncensored where they curse and use God's name in vain. And it used to be it was wrong for children in holiness churches to go to picture shows. I mean, this almost sounds, I don't mean disrespectfully, it's almost juvenile, right? To think technically what he's speaking about here. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, things have jettisoned so far beyond just this now. But you know why that has happened? Is because of the last line. That's Satan's way of gradually entering in. Satan gradually entered in. So now the situation we live in technically is so far ahead of what he's describing here. It's almost like child's play. This is almost like etch-a-sketch compared to where we are today. Do you understand? But how do we get here? We got here because Satan gradually entered in. And it grew and grew. And you know what? People never talked about it. Pulpits became silent about it. We never really said as much as we probably could about it. And I will tell you something, over time, now you have children that, you know, in, in a sense, you know, really lack any kind of discipline or uh, respect for the things of God. And I would just say this, that if, if you don't, if, you know, I know most of you folks here are here because you're interested in your believers and all the rest of it, but if, if we fail to teach our children everything, teach them this one thing. And that is to be respectful around things they should be respectful around. Because that will keep them out of trouble with God. If they're respectful towards elders and they're respectful towards the church and they're respectful towards the Bible and and so forth. Let me tell you, that's, that's, that's a great thing if a child can at least learn that. Because God will honor that. Satan here is, is the whole thrust of, not the whole thrust, but you can see the fruits of this, uh, of this foundation being shifted, right? The reason we have cracks in the wall is because somewhere or another, some way or another the foundation slipped right back here. You can throw all, this, all the money and grants and programs and politicians, throw all the money you want to these cracks here, but until you fix the foundation, you know what? We're always going to have cracks on the wall. And, and that's the reason that that's happening is because Satan has gradually entered in here and shifted that foundation in just such a subtle enough way that eventually there's weakness showing up now in other parts of the house and, and people are throwing the wrong kinds of solutions at it. And here is a prophet telling us, that, look, folks, hey, Satan, Satan got in. He gradually got in and, and undermined, under, he eroded this whole thing here and you're going to find up the road this is where this is going to go. Until you have people's hearts failing for fear. Now you have, you're in a glorious, to me, you're in a glorious position, all of us, and I think you know this, that you can actually achieve shalom in the home by putting a separation between your house and this world. 
all of this is describing here is happening in the world. It doesn't have to happen in your, in your confine because you have the glorious right as a son of God, daughter of God, to establish a boundary between the world and my home, my house. That's why we have deacons here. We have uh, boundaries here. We have conduct, order, and doctrine here. Not because we're trying to be legalistic about it at all. We're just trying to make sure that the people in here enjoy the presence of God and there's nothing in here that is going to grieve away the Holy Spirit. So we've drawn a line, right? We put a boundary around the place in a, in a spiritual sense. And we don't want to have the wrong thing come in here, but we want to have the right things here so the Holy Spirit is welcome to flow through anytime that he wants to and deal with hearts and speak to us and uh, do the miraculous and, and, and inspire us and teach us and show us things that we need for this hour. We've got the glorious, we're in the glorious position to be able to do that. And I think we're blessed to be able to have that. I think we're, we're, we're uh, uh, an honored people to be able to have that, uh, you know, to have that uh, uh, knowledge and the distinction and to be able to have the understanding and the, applica- the freedom to apply the Word of God just, just like, like we have it so that we can keep the wrong things out. Keeping the wrong things out allows the right thing to be able to continue to flow through it. I read a news article the other day that somebody sent me that was given to, uh, given to him by a brother in India where the government was instructed, the police uh, superintendents in various provinces of, of India uh, were instructed to monitor Christian churches uh, to make sure that there were no conversions that took place in, in the Christian churches. They haven't locked their doors, but they wanted to make sure that there were no conversions. So in other words, if there's any baptizing uh, activity goes on there, that church can be shut down. If there's any group of people leave the church and singing, uh, you know, uh, I'm bound for the promised land, they go to the river and they start baptizing there, that church can be shut down. Because they don't want to have people led astray from what they believe is the right way, which is the Hindu religion or some form of the Hindu religion. And so he had a newspaper article. It was printed in a newspaper where the government had filtered this down to local communities where police superintendents were instructed to, in, to tell their uh, officers to go out and keep an eye out on Sundays so that, uh, you know, there was no uh, baptismal services and group gatherings like that. And the Christian churches were specifically targeted to do that. Satan would like to do, let me tell you, Satan would like to do whatever he could to prevent God's people from getting to God's chosen place of worship. And when God sees that, God's going to shut it down. And I'm telling, I'm here tonight just to give you the simple admonition that we have, we have, we live in a world where all of this is just moving, you know, step by step towards a change that, that none of us are going to prevent. And I will tell you something, while we are able to do it, we have the liberty to be able to put the boundaries in place to make our home a different place than the rest of the world. Satan's gradually entered in. Satan has gradually come to the place where, uh, you know, he has uh, established himself in the culture where now you couldn't take away certain of the things that are there. People couldn't imagine, they couldn't imagine living without social media or they couldn't imagine living without their phone. They couldn't imagine leaving home and forgetting their phone. Man, they, they... They'll go a long way without their wallet, but they're not going to go too far without their phone. You think I'm against social media and I'm against phones. I am. I don't want you to be unclear. I am. I hate it. I think think it's very clearly off the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Is anyone unclear? I mean, I can say that again. I think it's a terrible thing. I I think it's ruined a lot of people's sense of real friendship. 
And, I mean, there's so much misinterpretation and misunderstanding, right? Look at old John Harwell down here in the buckets. I mean, just, just so many different things that, that, that are misunderstood, feelings that are hurt, access that children have that they shouldn't have. But you know what it is? It's Satan's way of gradually entering in. You're not going to wedge it out of the hands of this, this world. You're not going to wedge it out of the hands of this culture. We're there. And here's Brother Branham in the 60s and the 50s telling us about things that are going to happen here. And he said, you know, people they got away from things that people should have stayed with. So as old-fashioned as it is, I, I think it's, it's a good thing for us to remind ourselves of the things we should stay with. Let's stand to our feet. Let's, let's stop here. I've got a whole bunch more there in slides, but... I would, love, I would love to open the door to this uh, for you to entertain any questions you might have about, that are related, re, that's related to this subject here. And if you have a, a question or something you'd like to, to, to uh, have addressed or something that's not been addressed, feel free to do that. I'd love to do that. Uh, we could uh, do some of it here in the, in the assembly. We could do some of it as, as studies. I think that's a, that's a great. I'd love to know what you're thinking about. Uh, about issues like this. Now, I, I want to get a little bit more specific here in a couple of subjects here, but um, in, in relation to this idea of shalom in the home, because I, I, I long for it, and I, I trust that you do too, and I, I think uh, it, it's, it's a good target for us to aim at. It's a good thing for us to reach for, is to have that, that kind of peace in our lives. We live in a very, a very in a world that's very opposite peaceful. We sing praises to your name. Let's sing that this evening here. Sing it together now just as we close our service. We sing praises to your name. Oh Lord, praises
For every family that's represented here tonight and those, Lord, who are listening, that, Father, you might instill in our hearts, Lord, not a, not a sense of hindsight that we can look back and maybe see the things we should have done. But, Lord, may we have the foresight, may we have the inspiration, Lord, in our, in our families and in our lives, Lord. May we have that discernment that we need today to be able to see, Lord, what needs to be done in our homes and in our in our surroundings today, Lord. May we put in place the things that 
bring protection, Lord. And I, I think, Lord, of our, our youngest children, Lord, and how impressionable they are. Father, may we put in place, may we learn to keep away the evil things, Lord, and the evil one. But, Lord, may we put in place things that are good and wholesome and right, things we should think upon and things we should meditate upon. Father, may our homes be adorned by the markings of a Christian family. Lord Jesus, we just know that in any way possible, the enemy would try to hinder us from moving to God's chosen place. Lord, we just want to stand with you, Lord, and to be able to have our eyes open to the tactics of the enemy. Father, I just ask that you would just minister, Lord, to each one. And Father, there are needs and needs that we have mentioned today. Prayer requests, Lord, that are written down and some that are buried deep in hearts. We place them in your hands, Lord Jesus, now and ask that your grace and mercy be sufficient for each one. We believe, Lord, we're going to make it. We believe, Lord, that you predestinated us to this place, to this hour, to receive this glorious message that we've received in the last day. But, Lord, we don't want to be just hearers of it. We want to be doers. We want to be appliers of this message. So, Lord Jesus, now we just bind our hearts together on behalf of the local body and ask you, O God, to help us to be strong. Lord, we thank you for helping Brother Jeff. And we pray, Lord, for Brother Roger Gibbs and ask you, Lord Jesus, to bind up his wounds and just to help him to be well. For the many others, Lord, that are needing your touch tonight, we commit them to you. Thank you for your lovely grace and mercy. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Praise the Lord. Let's sing it as we go tonight. There is none like you and no one else can touch my heart like you do. Thank you for coming tonight. God bless you and we'll see you on the weekend, Lord willing. There is none like you. And no one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search as you go tonight. I go to the rock of my salvation. Go to the stone that the builders rejected.